today we're going to talk about my life at work a little bit, and we'll do that a little bit next week. Now, anybody read Dilbert in the paper? You know who Dilbert is? Okay, I, I like Dilbert. He's just cynical enough for me, Jopi. Um, and so here's Dilbert's laws of work. Okay, I'm going to read a few of them. I got a couple of favorites. Don't be irreplaceable. If you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. Are you connecting yet who Dilbert is? He's the guy that lives in a cubicle and has he has a tie that sticks out from his white shirt. And yeah, um, uh, when the boss is oh, see, no, I don't better not do that one. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> keep your boss's boss off of your boss's back. One of Dilbert's laws of work. Keep your boss's boss off your boss's back. That's a pretty good policy. To err is human. To forgive is not our policy. <laughs> um, if you're good, you'll be assigned all the work. If you're really good, you'll get out of it. Make sure you're always doing something marginal when the boss drops by your desk. Because uh, that's kind of how it happens. Um, if it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would get done. Um, when you don't know what to do, walk real fast and look worried. <laughs> I know people like that. Uh, um, the last person that quit or was fired will be held responsible for everything that goes wrong. And my favorite one. Eat one live toad first thing in the morning. Nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. <laughs> Walter, I haven't tried that one yet. My feeling is, coming from a CPA firm, you, your, your life at work was probably a lot like Dilbert, wasn't it, man? Well, let's, this is interesting to me. Now, we won't get to all this this week, so don't freak out and think I'm going to keep you till 1030. But um, we will um, we'll look for the next couple of weeks at some things the New Testament actually says about work. And it's, we're going to begin today with probably everything we do today will, be, will have been written by the Apostle Paul. Um, we probably won't get any further than what Paul teaches about this. But what I want you to do, and you might, it's written on your outline, but you might want to write it in the, in the left margin as well, like I did. The idea is, our lives at work, so my life at work, should be characterized by, and these scriptures are going to finish that statement, okay? Life at work should be characterized by, and Paul's going to give us, Teaching after teaching after teaching after teaching, and then we're gonna we're gonna see uh, the the passage actually where Peter talks about it, Jesus talks about it, uh, James actually talks about it. I was I once heard a preacher say, as the Apostle Paul said in First Peter five nine. And I'm thinking, okay, so he messed that up a little bit, yeah. But so I'll, I'll try not to do that. So they're not all Pauline, but most of them are. Now we're gonna read several kind of passages together. I'll ask some of you to volunteer to read, but I've already asked. Father Blair, if he would start us off uh, from the book of Ephesians, which is one of Paul's teachings to the book, to the church at Ephesus, chapter 6. And Steve, if you'd read 5 down through 9.
just really good, what I would call kind of pethy, practical teaching. Okay. Now, we're going to begin, and I want, if your Bible's like mine, Steve, I think you read it the same way. The very first word in verse 5 is what? Slaves. It's, everybody's kind of that way. All right. I'm going to have to unpack that for just a second. What you've got to understand is when he talks, when he addresses slaves, you and I can apply this to our work lives by talking about um, the relationship between one being supervised and a supervisor. Okay. Now, uh, before you go too far with this, remember that, that a slave in the New Testament wasn't what we had in the 1700s and 1800s in the U.S., Okay, that we fought a civil war over. It was a much different deal. Slaves in, in the Roman Empire, slaves in Paul's day, were indentured servants, often who sold themselves into slavery to mitigate a debt. Okay? Uh, it wasn't the involuntary, at least quite the same as the un involuntary thing that we see in, in, uh, in things that we read about U.S. history and uh, that you see depicted in, in movies and that kind of thing. Okay, so uh, it, it wasn't wasn't racially motivated. It was more economics. Which uh, so when you when you think of slaves, don't think of um, uh, the kind of slavery that took place in this country and in England and other places uh, in colonial days. Think about a person who hired themselves out, literally twenty four seven. Uh, to mitigate some kind of a debt, okay? So when he talks about that, he's talking about then literally your life at work. So there are two S's, two S words here in verse 5 that I want us to be sure that we catch um, it, that have to do with my relationship with the boss. Now, I want you to catch something else here because if you, if you want to think about the relationship between a slave and a master, then... Um, if, if that connotation or, or that uh, background is negative to you, and it should be to us, realize that Paul is saying this to slaves who had a master. And as you and I apply it to the relationship that I might have with a supervisor or boss, it couldn't be as bad as what they had. So what, what I'm going to have to deal with here when I'm reading this is say, yeah, but you don't have a boss like mine. I can't use that in context here, okay? So my relationship with my boss, all right, should be typified by the two words that I'm going to pull out of verse 5 are with sincerity and submission. Catch those two words in there? Sincerity of heart. By the way, this is really going to be hard for me to teach because I got two people in here that report to me. They really report to kind of God and each other, but but they say they report to me. So, um, and by the way, I love them dearly, whether they love me or not. I don't know whether they do or not, but uh, so so the idea here is to my relationship with the person to whom I report, I need to have a sincere relationship and one that is typified with this sincerity of heart and submission. Okay, look at verse 6. I'm going to use a couple of words here, and I put them on your outline. Enthusiasm, diligence, integrity. And the idea here is um, working even when I'm not being watched or supervised. 
okay? Working in the same way, whether the boss is next door or in the same room or not, okay? Uh, uh, look, look at it again. This is 6-6. Six, six. Not by way of eye service. Isn't that interesting? Not just something to be seen. As men pleasers. So those are two kind of pretty full words of meaning. Eye, uh, uh, um, eye service, men pleasers. But as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So the idea here is that I'm going to work hard. Um, uh, not just do eye service. Not just be working when somebody's around. Uh, not just being a man pleaser, but being working the same when nobody's around as I do when there's a group there or when, when uh, my supervisor might be in the room. Okay, now, that verse 7 enters a, a word into the conversation that we've got to make sure we have a common understanding. And I'm frankly not sure I fully understand it. I've made an attempt. It says, Okay, so if we're completing this thought, Darla, I think about who you report to. I just thought about who you report to, and I just want to giggle. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, um, Larry Stein, who's running for, uh, for um, uh, county assessor, is her boss. And, uh, huh? He is our county assessor. Yeah. No, now. No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. He, he won, the pri won the primary, or is he still in the primary? Anyway, Larry's one of my oldest friends, and he's one of the funniest guys I've ever known, and Darla's got to report to him. So, uh, I'm sorry, Darla, you know. He used to come to this class for a while. Uh, now, uh, so, uh, the idea here is, okay, remember completing the thought, my work, my life at work should be characterized by, here's the word, goodwill. What I do at work ought to have some goodwill to it. Okay, what is that? Anybody got a thought on that? Uh, accounting is what you pay for for the business, uh, the, the spirit of the business. What you pay for, so literally, it, it can be on a balance sheet Correct. as I can buy some goodwill uh, saved up by a person I'm buying a business from Correct. Or, or a business I bought from. Okay, somebody else got a thought? It's literally an asset. It is. Goodwill. Now, okay, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. So that's, that's an aspect of it, isn't it? Not, not participating in gossip, not spreading any kind of ill will, but goodwill. Um, uh, I, I just wrote in my notes, um, willing the good for other people. Now, you know, you and I both know that even in fairly healthy environments, we don't always will the best for each other, do we? In fact, one way we think, or one way in the world, to climb the ladder is to make sure somebody else gets pushed down. Instead, the Bible says, I ought to will the good for others. Now, by the way, I've got to... Hasten to say, you know, I read these silly Dilbert's Laws of Work. That's not going to get us anywhere, guys. What the Bible teaches will. What I bring to you in a couple of weeks from the, the book of Proverbs works. It just works. And, and I got to thinking about this this morning. Some of these principles aren't the kinds of things that are going to send you to hell necessarily. 
but they're just smart. It's the way to do things. It's God's way of doing things. Even, uh, interestingly, if you go to the uh, obvious extreme of a relationship between a slave and his master. So, uh, one of the things I'm told here is to will the good for those around me at work. Verse 8 gives us one of the reasons, at least, for doing this, the way the Bible tells us to do it. Look at verse 8. Who does it say we're all really ultimately working for? Whether I'm a master or whether I'm a, uh, a slave, whether I'm a supervisor, a boss, or somebody reporting to a boss, who do we all work for? The Lord. The Lord. He's the one, it says in verse 8, who gives the reward. The reward that he gives is the one I'm going to really want at the end of all this, isn't it? And so there may be times, Ron, I don't want to single you out, but I know about your work life better than anybody else's. There are times when I've got to think about what's going on and I've got to say to myself, you know, I'm not doing this for him. I'm not doing this for her. I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm doing this for Jesus. Karen, I thought about you a lot this week for obvious reasons. Because I didn't want this to be, uh, for any of you who are out of work, looking for work, I didn't this, want this to be kind of um, uh, hard for you to deal with. Uh, but I thought, then I changed my thinking to, wouldn't this, wouldn't this be good to know before you report the first day at work? I think, you know. So, i got to remember the ultimate boss is him, not somebody else. And that, that is not... That statement is not to give me an out. That's to actually give me even further impetus to do my work well and to do it the way that the Bible describes it here. Um, somebody go to Luke 6.31. These words are in red. Jesus says this in a similar way to what uh, Paul says in verse 9. What does he say? It literally is that, that golden rule. Give us the actual wording. Somebody read it. Just nearly verbatim what you said. So listen to what Paul says here in verse 9. He says, Masters, do the same things to them. Give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So if I'm a boss... The idea is to treat employees as I would want to be treated. Uh, remembering that the boss and the direct report both serve the same master. Okay? Okay, I want to stop for just a second while you're turning to Colossians 3. Is this helpful? Is this working? Okay. We're going to work through this just kind of systematically over this Sunday and next Sunday. Okay, so... Um, let me just lift out what, what's, what's the best thing you've encountered so far in this? Just anybody. Maybe something new. We really should. Regardless of what side of that equation I'm on. Somebody else? Okay, let's go to Colossians 3. Cindy, can I prevail on you to read verse 22, 23, and 24 from Colossians 3? 
this is just so very, very good. And and um, when I think about it, I've got to immediately, again, if, you're, if, if your Bible's like mine, I think most of them have a, a similar expression here. It begins, again, with the word slaves. So, okay, that doesn't leave any of us out. It's talking about life at work. It's talking about the relationship of uh, some, all of us report to somebody. And that's kind of that idea. And, um, and, and it's going to talk here in just really clear, uh, kind of inspiring language. I, you know, Cindy, as you were reading that, I was thinking, how inspiring is this? Now, what we get in the world is not that inspiring. Okay? Um, uh, I read this week, if you get caught sleeping at work, anybody ever done that? Anybody ever fall asleep at your desk? If you get caught... Well, you probably couldn't because you'd fall off a wing of an airplane, wouldn't you know, or something. Uh, if you get caught sleeping at work, just rouse yourself and say, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> now, how cynical is that? Okay. David, don't try this at the Waterford. I don't think it works over there. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I was doing work. I've, I've been trying to kind of help reorganize the, uh, in a lot of what I've been writing about over the summer is the hospital practice that we started at, at uh, Mid-America now 14 and a half years ago. And uh, I remember one of the things that used to just literally turn my stomach. Uh, we had a, we had a, um, a meeting, which was kind of a debrief. All these, all these students, these ministry students would be visiting patients for two or three hours and at the end of their hospital day we would uh, end up in, in uh, the chaplain's office or in the uh, little chapel at uh, Midwest Regional Hospital especially on this day is what, what I, where I noticed this uh, to kind of debrief kind of boy I got into something really tough today I just got to talk to somebody about it and we'd spend 30 minutes or so Teresa you know how, how valuable that is when you've gone through tough stuff to just kind of download it and so we'd meet there but but what I noticed is that those meetings took place at about 3 o'clock, okay? And so I would be, I would head toward uh, wherever I was in the hospital. I'd head toward, on that floor, I'd head toward the stairwell. And invariably, if I was going down there at 5 till 3 or at 10 till 3 or just about whatever, there were a line of hospital employees waiting with their time card in their hand to check out. Waiting at the time clock. Now, okay, I didn't have the authority to do this and didn't do it, but I bit a hole in my lip several days wanting to, to say, you know what, I just saw a patient at your last five minutes, you could just go encourage them for a minute. Would you just go do that instead of just standing at the clock? You got 10 minutes left. There's somebody that needs something on this floor. Can you tell it made me a little angry? Notice what the Bible says here. Work heartily. Put your heart in it. Don't work staring at the clock. Don't work waiting at the time clock. Put your heart into it. 
because the idea is here, all of that has something to do, uh, 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 obliquely at least, but I think even more than that, to my devotion to Christ. Obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, not just on the outside, not just to please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Do it heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. There are days when you're going to have to kind of think about that and say, you know what? I know that this person signs my check, but today I'm going to work for Jesus. Today I'm going to work for Jesus. There's a sense in a lot of this of his reputation being at stake. Have you noticed that already? A sense of his reputation being at stake. Now, um, Rhonda, I'm going to prevail on you. Would you go to 2 Thessalonians 3? It's right at the end of 2 Thessalonians. Did you not bring a Bible to Sunday school? Okay. All right. <laughs> Walter, thank you, Walter. Second uh, Thessalonians 3, and I want you to read 8 down through 12. Okay, uh, could it be more practical? Now, by the way, we've moved over from talking about uh, slaves and masters, just talking about everybody's work. And he brings as, if you look at verse 7, just kind of scan verse 7, he, he has the audacity to say, follow my example. Wow. Follow my example. Now, I did some study years and years ago. I spent an entire weekend with a New Testament Greek scholar. This guy had, uh, had not had anything less than an A all the way through Vanderbilt Seminary. Okay. And he was doing a, a, a series of lectures on this one particular weekend. So it was all Friday night till late and all day Saturday on Paul's work. It's interesting. He talked, he talked about the tent-making work of Paul, the apostle. And it was fascinating what he probably did. The longer I went uh, through that, as Dr. Burnett was talking about this, the more I realized this guy didn't just show up at the synagogue at night and talk after he'd studied all day. He'd been working, back-breaking work all day long. Because of this, ver these what's shared in these verses, he didn't want anybody to accuse him of, of uh, uh, prevailing on somebody else's goodwill or gratis. So he earned his own money, he earned his own way, and then preached and taught in addition to that. So that's the context of this. And he says, don't be a burden to other people. That's what he's saying, follow my example. I, I worked so people wouldn't have, I wouldn't be a burden to somebody else, is what he says. And then he says, uh, in, as part of this, he's talking about earning your own food. Uh, um, um, and boy, there's lots of parallels to this in the modern day. Even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone's not willing to work, he's not to eat. Wow. I mean, he doesn't kind of mince any words there. Um, we could apply that till the cows come home, but I'm going to kind of kind of move on. Remember that the church was the welfare uh, system in Paul's world. It didn't come from the government. It came from the church. 
And so the context of this is him saying, um, you know, if you're standing in line to get help, then be sure that here's the principle. If you don't work, you don't eat. I, I find that just, I mean, he's bold here, right? Okay, let's go on though, because he goes on in verse 11 to talk about, and somebody mentioned this a little bit ago. He uses the word, I think, uh, let's look at it real quick. He uses the word uh, busybodies. You see that? Don't be a busybody. He says, be disciplined in your work. Um, not busybodies. Now, do you, have, do you have somebody in your office or in your organization that's kind of like the at-work CIA? <laughs> I, I'm a VP at our place, and I, and I, I sat through you know, a two-and-a-half-hour meeting this week, uh, the leadership meeting, you know, the cabinet of the university, and, and I hear lots of things going on. And yet there are people in our organization that know more about it than I do. Uh, they know the inner workings. They know what people are talking about. And I'm just thinking, where do you get all this stuff? And I wonder if sometimes, if it's because some people are just kind of, they just like to hear gossip. Like that, Katie, wouldn't it, you talking about this while ago? They just like to, it's a lack of discipline just kind of like to hear it. Okay, now I was working at, uh, with, with an organization, with actually a church, years ago. And, um, and I got the sense that things weren't going really well in my position. And I had to make, um, and it was, it was kind of a time in life where, you know, all of us would be afraid to lose a job. And I didn't want to lose a job. I had kids in school and uh, all that. And I, and I finally realized, I, I literally, in my quiet time one morning, the Lord just said to me, okay, here's what you need to do, pal. You need to prove yourself. And here's how you got to prove yourself. Keep your head down. Stay in your own lane. Now that's not in scripture, but I guarantee you the Lord told me that. Keep your head down. Stay in your own lane. Do you know about a year and a half ago, I was able to share that insight from 20 years ago or more with a younger co-worker who was in a same position where he kind of lost favor with the bosses. You know how that goes? I said, dude, if you'll just kind of keep your head down, do your work, stay in your own lane, stay in your own office, stay in your own cubicle, whatever. Eventually, if you'll just do that, if you'll knuckle under, maybe six months from now, somebody's going to be saying, man, have you noticed what Joe is doing? This guy's knocking the ball out of the park. That actually kind of happened in my life. It was like, it took about two years, frankly. And then it was like, somebody comes back from me and says, man, the boss is really noticing what you're doing. I'm thinking, yeah, well, he never did before. Keep your head down. Stay in your own lane. Live in, here's the word, quietness. Quietness. What does this look like? It kind of looks like I just described. I was talking to Terry Fakes years ago about something. And I asked him a very pointed question about something that was going on here. And I, I, I love his answer. And I've used it a thousand times since then. Well, Steve, that's not my piece of the business. You know what? Stop right here. That's just not my piece of the business. He was doing his own thing. He was doing what he was hired to do. Stay in his own lane. 
And I'm learning to do that too. Okay. I want to give you the four uh, answers over at the very end of this outline on the second, on the back side, just in case you're not here next week, but we're going to apply this next week. Here's, here's what's underlying all this. You ready? How I work and act matters to God. How I work, how I act at work matters to God. Second, attitude counts. My attitude matters. Third, we're going to see in some of these passages, the world is watching. They're looking to see my ethic, whether it works or not. And often I've got to ask the question, who am I serving? Who am I serving?